Hey, welcome to the Fusion ATL podcast. This is Pastor Vance. If you're not familiar with Fusion, we are the young adult ministry for Victory World Church in Norcross, Georgia. We meet every Tuesday at 7 p.m. Feel free to follow us on Instagram at Fusion ATL. I hope you enjoy this message and we look forward to seeing you soon. What's up, Fusion? Hey, there we go. Okay, bringing the energy today. I didn't even have to ask you guys a second time. I appreciate that. Welcome to everybody joining us online. Man, we're so glad to have you with us today. Uh, this has been just a powerful time. I, I'm going to just jump straight into it. But this has just been a powerful season in our ministry. Um, I don't know if you guys have noticed, but if you've been here for especially this series, there's a shift taking place. I don't know. Has anybody noticed that? Is anybody experiencing a shift taking place in your personal life? Yeah, there's just uh, there's some changes happening. I'm going through some, some changes and some shifts. God is changing some things with me and just the way that I approach um, everything. You know, we've been talking, we've been in this series called True Worship, and the whole heart behind it is just, you know, Jesus said that the Father is looking for worshipers who will worship him in spirit and in truth. And if God is looking for a particular type of person to engage with him, I want to know what type of person he's looking for, and I want to be that type of person. Amen? So we've been diving into this and just looking at the fact that worship is not just about clapping your hands and singing and and lifting your hands, um, but it's about a lifestyle. It's about how you live. You know, we've been diving in the Old Testament and, and where God first reveals himself to the Israelites, and this was just a picture, him revealing himself to a people, calling a people aside to be his own, and revealing himself to them. And this was just a picture of what he wanted to do with all of us who were far from him. He wanted to call all of us home. He wanted all of us to be his people. We're all his creation. We are his sons, his daughters. Uh, when, we, when we come to him and we receive him, we're adopted into his family. And the first thing that he started doing with them was establishing culture. So uh, a lot of us, we can look at, you know, God gives the law. It wasn't just like, God just was giving rules for no reason. Like, all right, I'm going to free you guys from your slavery and your bondage, and then I'm just going to give you a bunch of rules to follow. And then we'll just, you know, keep it moving, and we'll call this a, a religion. We'll call it Judaism, and, you know, that's what we'll do for the rest of our lives. That was not his goal. Does anybody understand that God's goal has never been about establishing a religion? God's goal has never been about establishing a religion. Some of you, that, that may be a surprise. You know, may, maybe some of you just feel like you're looking to pick the right religion, but that's not what this is about. God has always been looking to establish a relationship with the people that he created, created for a purpose. He created you for a purpose, not an arbitrary purpose, not a random purpose. It wasn't just for kicks, But he created us with intent. He says that he created mankind in his image and in his likeness and for a purpose. First, he created the world and he didn't create it to not be inhabited. That's scripture as well. And he created the earth to inhabit it with people who would reflect him, but not just on our own. He wanted relationship with us. Adam and Eve, 
They, they deviate from his purpose and from his plan. They disobey him. They fall for the temptation, the same temptations that we're faced with today. First uh, John calls them the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. This is what they were tempted with. It's the same thing Jesus was tempted with in the wilderness. The, the enemy tempted him in three ways, in the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. For Adam and Eve, you know, for her, the lust of the flesh, it was, man, I want this fruit looks good to eat. And God told me I can't have this. I want to experience what it tastes like. The lust of the eyes, looking at all that's not available, even though God gave them the whole rest of the garden. And there was just this one tree that he set a boundary around. The, the lust of the eyes, looking at something you can't have and fixating on it instead of looking at what God has actually given you and being grateful. And then the pride of life, the enemy said, hey, God just doesn't want you to be like him. He's actually trying to keep something from you. He knows that if you eat this, this fruit, you won't die. You'll actually be like him. And so she sinned. She fell for the temptation. Uh, Jesus was the one who actually responded in the way that we're supposed to, which is, no, God said this, God said this, God said this. The enemy tempted him in those same three areas. And Jesus, we've been looking at him being our forerunner in terms of living the life that we were supposed to live and then taking our place by dying the death that we should die for our rebellion against God. Why am I saying all this? I'm saying all this because it's important for us to understand that when we're talking about something like worship, which is such a, a familiar term to so many of us, and we have all these different ideas of what it is, we have to understand that the heart of it is about relationship with God. Now, a lot of people worship a lot of different things. They devote their energy. They devote their time. They devote their effort. They live a lifestyle catered around a particular goal or a particular thing. God says that anything that you do that with outside of him, that's called idolatry. And so we're constantly navigating this tension as human beings between worshiping something else or worshiping God. But we're all worshiping something. And God actually offers us a relationship with him. It's not just right standing with him. It's right standing with him so that we can have relationship with him. David says of the Lord, he says, uh, in the presence of God, there's fullness of joy. At your right hand, there are pleasures forevermore. There, how many of you guys know there are good things awaiting us in relationship with God? He's not trying to withhold good things from us. He's actually trying to get us to the good things. But we live a lot of our life distracted, looking at the wrong things, looking at things that can never satisfy us. And we talk about this just about every week because this is pretty much what we navigate every single day. We are navigating the tensions between stuff that is not going to satisfy us, but feels like it might if we try it again. Or what will actually satisfy us, but will cost us. So, as we're talking about this, I want us to have the right posture, the right understanding of why we're talking about this, because it's not just for no reason, man. This is, I really do believe that what we're talking about here, what my prayer has been is that this is going to be a game changer for our individual lives and for us as a body, like us as a people. I know that, that Jesus has great plans for us. I know that he has great plans for you as an individual. I know that he has great plans for us as a church. 
Jesus Christ is building his church. He said that. We didn't come up with this. This wasn't a man-made thing. Jesus said that he would build his church and the gates of hell would not prevail against it. But just like God revealing himself to the Israelites on the mountain uh, and establishing culture with them by by sharing with them his ways, his character, his heart, his law was representative of his ways and his culture, the culture of his kingdom. In the same way, we as the church are in a place where God is wanting to reveal to us his culture, his ways. We should be a people set apart for him who operate a certain way because of where we're from and who we're connected to. We have a particular culture, amen? So man, this is kind of the closing of the series, if you will. Um, And my prayer is just that this really lands in our hearts. I feel like we talk about a lot of stuff because we gather every week. But my prayer here, you know, especially in this series, even as I mentioned how God has been changing some things up with me, man, my prayer has really been, I'm, I'm really praying that this lands in a, in a fresh way, in a new way, uh, where you start to see that your participation is essential. Like, it's really not about the message, right? Like, I, there's value. Scripture tells us, and we'll talk about it tonight. Scripture tells us that there's value in what's taking place right here. But my prayer has been that you guys will be able to start experiencing this right here uh, on your own. Because the Bible tells us that the Holy Spirit will lead us into all truth. And, and God himself really wants to be your teacher. He says that Jesus will be called Wonderful Counselor. And so... Really, God wants to reveal himself to you in fresh ways, in new ways. He wants to be able to teach you on his own. And that's not to substitute what takes place, you know, in a church service, because that's biblical as well. But it's to supplement. This is to supplement. Like God wants what's happening right here to be equipping his people to do the work that you guys are called to do, because each of you guys were called with a particular purpose. And he wants to be leading you on that journey. Not me. He wants to be leading you on that journey, and I have a particular function in that, but he wants to be leading you. And, and as we're talking about devoting ourselves to him wholeheartedly, giving our entire lives to him, living a lifestyle that revolves around him, I believe, man, if, if each and every one of us was doing that, I can just only imagine the impact that we'd have on each other and on the world around us because we need strong people. We need strong people. Do you agree? I want to be a strong person. I want strong people around me. I believe that it's God's intent for us to be strong in the Lord, for us to be built up in our faith, for us to be equipped to do good works. He says that he predestined for us to do good works. God, if you can, you probably can't fathom this. I can't fathom this. But before the creation of the world, God already had work in mind for you to do. Just think about it. God had a plan for your life before he even created the planet. And if we don't really understand that he is the source of everything, 
We will not live the life that he's designed us to live, destined us to live, called us to live. And we won't experience what he's wanting us to experience. And if we have a church full of people who are not living the life that God has destined us to live, I don't believe that's the church that Jesus Christ wanted to build. And so I believe, man, if we really get this in our spirit and we just live our lives as worship to God, I mean our whole lives. Paul says in Romans 12, 1, he says, offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. I believe if we were all doing that, we'd be some game changers. We'd be some world changers. And not just in like a a cool sounding sense. I mean, seriously. And I believe that a lot of us would, would get what we're chasing every day. We're just chasing in the wrong places, man. And it happens so quickly. So I want to pray, and then I want to dive into what God has given me for the night. So let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word. Lord, I thank you for your simple gospel. Lord, I thank you that what you're wanting to share with us is not complicated. It's not hard to understand, but it is hard to receive for a lot of us. And so, Lord, I just pray that tonight would be different for a lot of us, Lord. I pray that we would experience a fresh revelation of who you are, a fresh revelation of what your heart is and what your will is and who we are in you. Lord, I pray that tonight some of our directions would be aligned. I pray that all of our directions would be aligned. Lord, because you only have good things for us, and yet we can spend our whole lives searching for what you have right in front of us. And so I just pray that something hits different tonight, God. I pray that we would understand something simple in a fresh way, in a new way. I pray that our hearts would be open, our minds would be open. Lord, I pray that I would just completely decrease, that you would increase, that you would be glorified, because I am just here to point to you. And so, Lord, I pray that the name of Jesus would be lifted high in this place. I pray that hearts would be committed to you. I pray that our ears would be wide open to what you have to say, Lord, and that the power of your word would be transforming us from the inside out. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so the title of tonight's message is called Hold to the Truth. And we'll get to why it's called that. But I want to start out with a little bit of background because there's a particular like, key scripture that I'm coming out of uh, in John 8. But before we get there, I want us to look at a little bit of background at before Jesus says this to his disciples, the, the key thing that we're talking about tonight. There were a couple other discussions and things that took place before we got there. So if you will turn to John chapter 6. That's John chapter six. And I got my Bible up here because I highlighted a bunch of stuff. And I was like, all right, man, this is like the whole chapter. I don't want to put it all in slides. That's going to be a lot. So I have some of it in slides. And then some of it I'm just going to read to you. Is that cool? And you can read along with me. And so I'm going to, this is, this is starting with Jesus feeding 
the 5,000. Many of us know this story. Uh, This is the only story that is documented in all four of the Gospels. So Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John all record this story, and they all wrote their, their Gospels for different reasons. These, these were all uh, people who had the intent of telling the story of what happened when Jesus of Nazareth came to earth. Uh, and from beginning to the end, they wanted to document everything that happened so that we understood that the Messiah had come, what happened, what he said, all these things. And this story is told, I mean, all of them, they all wrote with slightly different purposes um, in the same way that if you and I were at the same event, we would record it in different ways. What stuck out to me would be a little bit different than what stuck out to you. Right after tonight, if if you're maybe discussing the message with somebody, uh, two of you guys would describe the message slightly different ways based on what really resonated with you. However, uh, there, would, there may be like one thing that you guys would both really resonate with and share. And I would say, it, the, when I hear from a message, like response-wise, th- the same thing from multiple people, like, man, this is what really resonated with me, then I know that that was probably one of the most impactful parts of the message. You tracking with me? Okay, so uh, this story is where Jesus does this miracle. He feeds 5,000. It it just records the amount of men there, not the women and children. So it was thousands of people there. And they're they're coming to hear him teach because he's been doing miracles all over the place and he's gaining popularity. And this, this, I've just been in this book of the Bible for, I don't know, weeks just studying this. We were talking about John 4 last week, the Samaritan woman at the well. We talked about her the first week of this series. I've just been in this book and it's just been hitting different and for a couple different reasons. One, I just turned 32 in November and thank you. I appreciate it. Like, I never thought that I'd be saying that like, yo, I'm 32. Like, that's crazy. But like, I'm the age that Jesus was when this was happening. And so it's just been hitting different because it's like, wait, you're telling me God came to earth, lived all this life, and then started doing this when he was my age. I can't imagine being this person, the weight that he was carrying, like all of the interactions he was having. I mentioned Isaiah 53 last week, and I encouraged you to read it. I still encourage you to read it. If you haven't read it, it's, it's one of the clearest messianic prophecies that there is. Uh, it takes place, it was written in like 750 something BC and like so clearly describes the life of Jesus. And it's really describing like this sad life, man. Like it's talking about, you know, it says, who has believed us? You know, to who has the arm of the Lord been revealed? He grew up before God like a tender, dry shoot, pretty much saying he was like a plant and dry ground that really wasn't all that impressive. Nobody was impressed by him. He was despised and rejected, uh, like one from whom men hid their faces. It says that he was a man acquainted with much sorrow and many griefs. And as I'm reading through this, I'm starting to see that. Like, yo, he just never got a break. Like he was living his life in service to other people and nobody understood what he was trying to do. And we talked last week about 
how he shares with the woman at the well, you know, if you understood the gift of God, if you really knew who it was that was speaking to you. And that's really the message throughout all of this. Nobody knew who he was. Nobody got it. Nobody really understood, no matter what he was doing, no matter how miraculous it was. And it's been resonating because I feel like it's a picture of still what's going on. We have, man, everybody knows about Jesus. Now, let me step into this real quick. Everybody knows about Jesus. I don't know if you guys have realized this, but I mean, every time I turn on a movie or a show, anytime there is a biblical reference, pay attention, pay attention, whether it's just somebody using the Lord's name in vain. Listen, I'm like, Yo, every time, to the point that, I mean, I've had to turn so many of them off. Like, yo, what? I thought this movie was about football and like y'all are just going in on Jesus for no reason. You would be surprised. Just listen. Listen to music, movies, all of this entertainment. Just pay attention. There is not an ignorance of Jesus Christ. And it, it gives me like, this like clear picture of why God's judgment is really just because none of us are just walking around unaware. Can we be real? None of us are walking around unaware. And I mean, it's, pro- it's proven. Have a conversation with people. I challenge you now, unless you're going to the uttermost parts of the earth, Right? But for the most part, especially here in America, find somebody who's never heard of Jesus. Find somebody who doesn't know any scriptures. I hear so many scriptures from people who don't follow Jesus. It's ridiculous. Can I be real? I was in the barbershop like last week and... A dude was talking about, you know, he just got engaged. Cool guy. But, you know, they got in this whole discussion about, you know, I'll just say sex. Uh, (laughs) I'm not going to go into what they were talking about. But they get into this whole discussion about, you know, the details. And he's engaged, not married, right? And, you know, I mentioned like, yo, like, Congratulations that you're getting married. I'm married, been married for like a year and a half. It's awesome. It's a great decision. He's like, yeah, man, you know, the good book says. (laughs) When you find a wife, like it's a good thing. And I'm like, yeah, God does say who finds a wife finds a good thing and obtains favor from the Lord. He's like, oh, you know, the whole verse. I'm like, it's my job. (laughs) But I have these these run-ins so frequently, man. You would just be surprised. I in 2016, when I was still, uh, I was doing personal training, and I started a clothing line. Uh, That's a whole other story. But as I was sharing some of the designs and stuff, 
I was working somewhere that I didn't know anybody knew anything about Jesus. Like none of my coworkers seemed like they had ever been in a church in their life. And yet when I started sharing some of what was going on, they started seeing what was going on there. I, I found out that every single one of my coworkers had a Christian background. Parents are missionaries, parents are pastors, parents are gospel singer, grew up in church, all these things. Uh, a lot of us are familiar with who with like who Jesus is, but we're missing everything. Like we, we, we are aware of his name. We are aware of some of his attributes. Most of us think we know him better than we do. The world thinks, man, I'm telling you, have conversations. You'd be surprised how many people I know that do not follow Jesus who swear they know the Bible. I mean, it's common. Oh, yeah, I know, I know the Bible. Oh, yeah, man, I know scriptures. Oh, you're a pastor? Yeah, man. Man, I used to X, Y, Z. You know, yeah, I know, I know the Bible and all that. I'm serious. I have these conversations all the time. And so many people are in this state where they're kind of familiar with Jesus, but they don't know him. They have no idea who he is, like for real, for real. And this is what's happening all throughout the book of John. It's like his whole life. He's in front of people. He's doing the miraculous, raising the dead, healing the sick, preaching until people's socks fall off. I don't know how your socks fall off. It would be a miracle. (laughs) And yet they don't get it. And so now I'm going to dive into the scripture. So I'm starting at verse 11. He had the people all sit down. This is John 6. Verse 11 says, Jesus then took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed them to those who were seated. So also the fish, as much as they wanted. So this is a miracle. He asked his disciples, how are we going to feed all these thousands of people? They're like, we don't have the money to buy them all food. You know, this is an entire conference full of people, an arena full of people. How are we going to get them all food? All we have is a few little pieces of bread and some fish. And this is what happens. Jesus took the loaves, gave thanks, distributed them to all who were seated. So as much as they wanted and when they had eaten their fill. So he didn't just like give everybody a snack. Everybody got like a buffet. Everybody got as much as they wanted. This is miraculous. After that, it was so miraculous that it says a little further down in verse 15, he says, perceiving then that they were about to come and take him by force to make him king. I mean, he fed, fed everybody so well, they wanted to make him king. That's, that's miraculous. It says, perceiving then that they were about to come and take him by force to make him king, Jesus withdrew again to the mountain by himself. When evening came, his disciples went down to the sea, got into a boat, started across the sea to Capernaum. So he's like, look, y'all need to go ahead and get out of here because these people are about to get crazy because of the miracle that I just did. Uh, And it's not my time. I'm not about to be their king. They don't really understand who I am. Like they're not even responding to this in the way that it needs to be responded to. I didn't come here to be somebody's physical king and fix all of their current temporal circumstances, but I came to do something much bigger and they don't get it. 
I need to get out of here for, before things get crazy. He sends them across the lake while they're like, it says, uh, when they had rowed about three or four miles, this is verse 19, they saw Jesus walking on the sea and coming near the boat, and they were frightened, reasonably so. But he said to them, it is I, do not be afraid. Then they were glad to take him into the boat, and immediately the boat was at the land to which they were going. So a lot happens here, right? All this miraculous stuff. On the next day, the crowd that remained on the other side of the sea saw that there had been only one boat there, and Jesus had not entered the boat with his disciples. Verse 24, so when the crowd saw that Jesus was not there, nor his disciples, they themselves got into the boats and went to Capernaum seeking Jesus. All right. When they found him, so all this happens. He feeds thousands of people, this huge miracle. He then walks on water to get to the other side of the lake. This is phenomenal. He's fulfilling scripture. There's a scripture in Job that, says, that describes God. It says that he treads on the waves of the sea and Jesus is the living word and that he's coming treading on the waves of the sea. All this stuff is happening. He's being God, doing the miraculous. The people the next day, they're like, we saw the disciples leave and only one boat left, but we don't see Jesus. Where did he go? So then they go looking for him, says seeking Jesus. When they found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you come here? How'd you get over here? Jesus answered them, truly, truly, I say to you, you are seeking me, not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. Do not work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life which the Son of Man will give to you. For on him, God the Father has set his seal. And so Jesus says here, you're seeking me. That you are. I'll give that to you. You're looking for me. You're coming to church. You're opening your Bible. You're praying to me. You're lifting your hands in worship. You're trying to get involved even in some outreaches and help some people out. You're going to small group. Might be leading a small group. You're seeking me. But not because you really understand who I am. You're seeking me because of what you know I can do for you. And I want to warn you, you just did all that work. Like, y'all went out saw that I wasn't here, that the disciples weren't here. Some boats were passing by. It says the whole crowd is getting in boats looking for Jesus. This looks like some people on fire. We're going after God. We're going all the way across the lake. We're about to find Jesus. We're hype right now. We're going after it. Y'all did a lot of work, but don't, like, you guys are doing that because I fed you yesterday. This is literally the next day. He's like, I fed you guys yesterday, and that's why you're looking for me. Don't do all that work for food that spoils, but work for food that's going to give you eternal life. And, I, and that is really the, the crossroad that most of us live at. 
is, especially in the world that we're living in, most of the temptation is to work for food that perishes. Money isn't eternal. Literal food is not eternal. The home that you live in is not eternal. Marriage is not eternal. But a lot of us are spending our entire lives, most of our time, effort, energy, working for things that will not echo into eternity, will not go with us. And Jesus is saying, I get it, but don't do that. There's something better for you. And what we've been talking about this whole time is that's hard to really grasp. It's hard to really believe. It's hard to really understand. So you're telling me Jesus, Jesus, the one that I've been hearing about my whole life, the one that I feel like I, I know, I, I mean, I know, I know Jesus died on the cross. He died for my sins. He saved my soul. I'm going to heaven. But you're telling me that that right there is better than anything I can have here in this life? That's hard to grasp. So you're telling me that I should prefer Jesus over potential career opportunities. Really, you're telling me that I should prefer Jesus over this relationship that isn't going to lead to Jesus. You're telling me that I should prefer Jesus over everything else because literally everything else spoils. He says that everything here on this earth is going to burn up at some point. Moth destroys it. Moths eat through your clothes. Rust destroys things. Cars get rusty. Homes get rusty. They get mold. They get leaks. Pipes destroy stuff. Nothing here is imperishable. And yet, Seriously, I want you to think about this. I know that we talk about this a lot, but I I need us to take inventory for a second. How much of your life is being devoted working for things that are perishable? Think about it. It can even be with great intentions. A lot of us will mask working for things that are perishable by saying we're going to do something eternal with it. Think about it. I want to get married so that we can serve the kingdom together. That is noble. But if more of your heart is going toward that pursuit, than your pursuit of the king of that kingdom, it's out of balance. And I know it's difficult. I know it's hard. This is why we need God. I'm not saying this is easy. It's not easy. But this is Jesus saying it, not me. He's saying don't work for food that perishes. I didn't write it. He did. So he clearly knows a little bit better than we do. And he's lived the human experience. He was in the midst of the human experience looking around like you guys are not getting it. You guys see a miracle in front of you. And all you want is the temporary results of that miracle instead of the miracle worker. 
Think about it. They were in the midst of a miracle and didn't even realize it. We'll see it here in the rest of the conversation. It says, then they said to him, what must we do to be doing the works of God? Jesus answered them, this is the work of God, that you believe in him whom he has sent. Think about that. He says, don't work for food that perishes, but work for the food that's going to bring you eternal life. For food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give to you. Then they're like, okay, what do we need to do to do that kind of work? And he says, the work is this. Believe in the one that God has sent. I want us to sit there for a second because I need us to understand what this really means. To believe in the one that God has sent is to do the work of God. Because when we really believe that Jesus is who he says that he is, it will reflect in how we live our lives. So he's not saying that all you have to do is believe and then go about your day. He's saying once you believe, how you go about your day will change. If you really believe that Jesus is who he says he is, it'll cause you to wrestle with some things. That's why we're sitting in this same place because this is what we have to wrestle with our entire lives. Working for food that perishes or for food that endures to eternal life. And I would say most, most of us, if we really take inventory of our lives, are gonna see the scales tipping toward working for food that perishes because it's the way that our society is set up. It's how you're taught. That's maybe how you were taught from your parents, from the people that you respect. It's definitely what you're taught from most influential people nowadays. Even a lot of people in the church are encouraging you to work in a way that is really most beneficial here. And so you can hear Jesus presented in a way where Jesus is just about fixing what's going on in your situation today. And it's not that Jesus, like Jesus fed them. So clearly that was his heart. They were hungry. Jesus wanted to feed them and he didn't do it light. He fed them until they were full, until they didn't even want anymore. And then there was scraps on the ground to pick up 12 baskets full. So it's not that Jesus doesn't want to meet temporary needs. What he's saying is that our efforts don't need to be going towards that because he can meet that as we're working for food that endures to eternal life because the works that he predestined us to do that I talked about in the beginning were not temporary works. He's an eternal God, eternal kingdom. So if he predestined works for us before he created this planet, clearly it was bigger than just what's happening right now in this moment in 2020. God has a plan for you that is eternal. And I, I have to keep reminding you of this in this little time that I have with you every Tuesday, because the rest of the hours of the week, most people are telling you something different. Most of the people around you are chasing things that really just don't matter. And I think a lot, I have friends who've passed away, family members who've passed away. We watch a lot of influential people pass away. And I think about a lot, man, I wonder, 
that person being on the other side could come say something now, man, what would they be saying? And it's a place where I preach from. And this is why I'm I'm keeping it very, very simple. This is really all that it's about. We really got to know who Jesus is because you will at some point. He says every knee will bow, every tongue will confess. There will come a time where everybody acknowledges who he is. We have the gift of acknowledging that now, having our sins forgiven, wiped clean, stepping into the relationship that he always intended for all of us to have, the relationship that he intended for Adam to have when he blessed him tremendously. God has always been working to get us back to that place. And I believe that anybody who's experienced passing from this life into the next would tell you, this doesn't matter as much as you think it does. No matter how this goes, this is temporary. You're talking about eternity. And a lot of us are like, yeah, eternity. No, (laughs) eternity. You may not be able to grasp it right now, but you will. You will experience eternity. How you experience eternity is dependent on what you do with Jesus Christ. And I want us to pay attention to these people because I've been wrestling with this. Like, God, I feel like there's so much in here. What is it? I feel like this is a picture of a condition that you're trying to show. Help me to understand it. Help me to share it. Help me to not be this way. And I want us to see that Jesus is constantly trying to communicate to these people, just like he's constantly trying to communicate to us. And they're just not getting it. They're rejecting it. They're pushing back. And that's not who I want to be. That's not who I want us to be. And I feel like we have this to learn not to do this. Amen? So he says, this is the work of God that you just believe in him whom he has sent. So clearly he's saying, you guys haven't even done that yet. You're seeing the miracles. You're right here talking to me. You're seeking me, but you still don't really believe in me. You came across the lake looking for me and you don't believe in me. You may pray to me every day and in your heart, you don't believe in me. In your heart, you're, you're mad at me. You're resentful. You're doing all the quote unquote right things, but you don't really believe. So they said to him, then what sign do you do that we may see you and believe you? (laughs) Bruh, he just fed thousands of people with a few fish and some loaves. It was such a big deal that y'all came across the sea to find him. Now you're saying, well, show us something. How is, how is that still happening today? It doesn't matter what God does. Question after question after question. God saves us from car wrecks. God saves us from all types of stuff. And then it's, well, show me something today. You're still here today. And it's still, well, what are you going to do, God? Show me that it's worth living for you. This is still happening. What work do you perform? 
Our fathers ate the manna in the wilderness. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. Y'all didn't just eat bread from heaven yesterday? All right. Okay. Jesus then said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, it was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, but my father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. They said to him, sir, give us this bread always. We want that bread. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. But I said to you that you have seen me and yet do not believe. They would not receive it. As much as Jesus is saying, I'm the big deal. Me, I'm God. I'm here to save you. I'm doing miracles in your life. I'm changing things around. I've loved you tremendously. I'm here in your face trying to tell you, it's me. Like, it's me you're looking for. You keep asking about bread. Are you kidding me? Bread. I'm the bread. This is a picture. He's like, yes, Moses gave you, Moses didn't give you manna in the wilderness. My father did. I was there. Moses was there witnessing just like you. I'm the one who sent it. Now I'm stepping out of heaven. I was sent from heaven to feed you what you really need. Because what you need is not a meal for the day. What you need is your soul saved. What you need is not just your bills paid. What you need is your soul saved. What you need is not just a mate. What you need is your soul saved. And if you really got this, I would see it in the way that you're living. But the way that you're even asking me questions, the way that you're interacting with me shows me that you don't really believe that that's a big deal. And we have millions of people in church, millions of people who profess Christianity, and yet this is the picture of them. When it really comes down to it. When it really comes down to the wire. Like when, when our life gets challenged, what starts coming out is we don't really believe. I've shared a bunch of times I was there, swore that I was going to go to heaven when I died, if I died, while living in full sin, just deceived. And what was really underneath the surface is I just didn't want to do what I felt like God would tell me to do if I really gave my whole life to him. That's really what it came down to. And so God would have judged me and judged me fairly and been like, yeah, you really just did not want to obey me. And no matter how many times I spared your life, no matter how much I've given you, no matter how much I've done for you, no matter how much I've offered you, you've rejected me. And this is what's happening here. He's like, I just, I literally, y'all came to hear me teach before I fed you bread because I was doing miracles. Y'all were there because I was doing miracles. I did a miracle to feed you. Then I walked on water to get over here. Y'all chased me down. Now you're telling me I got to do something to prove to you that I'm God. You just don't want to believe in me. You don't want to follow me. You don't want to do what I'm saying because you know that I'm saying it costs something to follow me. And so you don't want to pay the price. 
But you want to be able to show up and hear me teach and hear me say something that makes you feel good, but you don't actually want to give anything up when you walk away. And that is the problem. And that is the challenge. That's the world that we're living in. And unfortunately, not enough of us who profess Christianity read the Bible enough (laughs) to see that we're these people so often. So you look over a few chapters in John chapter 8 after way more stuff happens. uh, Because even in that that discourse, what ends up happening is a bunch of people walk away from him. Because he starts saying, yo, I'm the bread from heaven. And if you don't eat my flesh and drink my blood, you will never get into heaven. And they're like, what? This man has a demon. This is what they said about Jesus. They said Jesus was possessed by a demon. Like he's tripping. He's he's talking about we have to eat his flesh and drink his blood. And we can't get into heaven if we don't. It's crazy, man. It says that the Jews grumbled about him because he said, I am the bread that came down from heaven. He says, truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes has eternal life. I am the bread of life. Your fathers ate manna in the wilderness and they died. That bread only sustained them for that day. They still ended up dying. This is the bread that comes down from heaven so that one may eat of it and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I will give for... For the life of the world is my flesh. Verse 54, whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life. Verse 55, for whoever, for my flesh is true food and my blood is true drink. 58, whoever feeds on this bread will live forever. 60, when many of his disciples heard it. Disciples, somebody say disciples. Yeah, not a random crowd who was just trying to see if they were going to follow him, but his disciples people who professed to be following him, when many of his disciples heard it, when many of the people who called themselves Christians heard it, when many of the people who called themselves Christians heard a teaching that challenged them, they said, this is a hard saying. Who can listen to it? Verse 66, after this, many of his disciples turned back and no longer walked with him. So Jesus said to the 12, do you want to go away as well? Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life, and we have believed and have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. And so, two chapters over, he's still giving difficult teachings. People are still walking away from him. People are still being challenged by him. And this is what he says to the, to the people who actually believed him. It says in John 8, 31 through 32. So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. The NIV version says to the Jews who had believed him, he said, if you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. And that's why I called the message hold to the truth, because He's saying that that's really as simple as it is. If you'll just hold to the truth, that's how you're really a disciple of Jesus. But so many people, the crowds, people who call themselves Christians, all these people are wrestling, man. We all wrestle. And he's saying, if you, even though you wrestle, even though you struggle, even though you're challenged, if you'll hold on, to my teachings, not just say my name, 
not just pray to me to help you, not just affiliate yourself with me. If you will hold on to my teaching, if you will abide in my word, live in my word, live in the things that I'm teaching, if you will base your life on this, if you will let your life revolve around who I am and what I say, then you're really my disciples. So I got three things for you as to how we hold on to Jesus' teaching. It's hear him, trust him, and obey him. You hear him, you trust him, you obey him. This is what they weren't doing. We're seeing all this discourse take place. We're seeing all these conversations. We're seeing him be challenged, whether it's by the crowds, whether it's by his own disciples, whether it's by the Pharisees and the teachers of the law. And the people who are truly his disciples, they just do these three things. They hear him, they trust him, and they obey him. They had no problem hearing him. Clearly, they were hearing him. But they didn't trust him, and they didn't obey him, and therefore were not his disciples. For us, we have the opportunity to hear God. He's sent his Holy Spirit. We have the opportunity to commune with him. For his, for his initial disciples at that time, they were regularly in proximity to him, regularly listening to him teach, regularly asking him questions so they could further understand his teachings. And we have the opportunity to do the same. You and I, we, have, we can be in consistent proximity with God because he sent his spirit to dwell in us. When you receive Jesus Christ, when you give yourself to him, I don't want to say that you just receive him because that's not the only thing that happens. You don't just receive Jesus, but Jesus also receives you. You have to give him yourself. When that happens, he sends his spirit to dwell within us and we have the opportunity to engage and interact with him. This is the gift that Jesus came to bring us that they just weren't able to see. He's like, I'm really the gift. Like, I'm the bread from heaven. I am what you really, really need because what you need is communion with God. You need to be able to hear God. And we have the Holy Spirit and we have his scriptures. 2 Timothy 3.16 says, All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. We have his scriptures, man. When we value it, it will change our lives. In John 8, 47, Jesus said to those same people, he says, whoever is of God hears the words of God. The reason why you do not hear them is that you are not of God. And he's, he's saying this to people who are listening to him. And he's saying, you're hearing my words, but you don't hear God through me. You just hear words. You're not hearing God because you're not really devoted to God. But when you're devoted to God, you will hear him. You'll hear him. God wants to speak to you. God wants to interact with you. God wants to engage with you. He's not hiding from you. Open up your Bible. Stick with it long enough to let him actually help you understand something. And once you understand something about God through his word, you are now receiving revelation from God. It's, it's, it's pretty simple. And then the, that done consistently over a period of time, you come to really know a lot more about God. And he starts transforming things on the inside, especially when you trust him and you obey him, 
Not just hear it and it goes in one ear and out the other, but you actually trust him. To be a follower of Jesus means we don't just hear him, but we actually trust what he's saying. And that was the challenge with the people he was talking to. He's saying, you hear me, but you don't believe what I'm saying. And so I'm telling you how to operate, but you don't believe it. And that's the challenge. That's why you keep asking me these questions that aren't really questions that you have. You're just using them to keep me at an arm's distance. And that's what happens with a lot of us. Well, what, what translation of the Bible should I use? Because I don't want to read it. And you spend a whole year being like, yeah, man, I'm just looking for the right uh, translation. <laughs> Are you? You're not. You're not. You're not. These are, these are the real things that are happening, though, and we use them to keep him at an arm's length. And so we'll say, well, God, you got to do something. You got to do something in this situation that I have going on in order for me to trust you. No, that's not what happens. You don't, you don't want to. Currently, you don't want to. And that's what you need to deal with. It needs to be, God, help me to want to be in relationship with you. And he can do that. I pray for God to fix my desires all the time. That's a constant prayer of mine. God, align my heart with your heart. Align my desires with yours. Not the other way around. Not God, do what I want you to do. Not God, align your desires with mine, but align my heart with yours. Align my desires with yours. Trust him. You have to trust him to really be able to do that, to say, I want to think like you. I want to act like you. I want to want what you want. I have to really trust you. That's how you know you're a disciple. That's how you know you're a follower of Christ. You hear him. You trust him. And then you obey him. Commitment and growth isn't just about showing up. You can show up here and never do anything. It's about engaging with God and obeying him. That's really, you want to be a true worshiper. You want to live a life of true worship. You offer yourself as a living sacrifice through engaging with God and obeying him. So you hear, you're engaging with God right here. You're listening to the word of God. You're processing through it. You're asking questions. You're figuring, I mean, how do I apply this to my life? How do I live in closer proximity to this? How do I live more consistently with what Jesus is teaching? How do I be more of the person that he's looking for? If God is saying he wants worshipers who are worshiping spirit and truth, I'm not going to settle for not knowing what that means. If he says that if you love me, you'll obey my commands, I'm going to know what the commands of God are so that I can obey them. I'm going to follow Jesus. I'm going to look at how Jesus operated and then live my life that way. Not saying, oh, Jesus lived this way so that I don't have to. That's not how it works. Jesus lived sacrificially so that I don't have to. That's not how it works. Jesus gave him his whole self away so that I don't have to. No, that's not how it works. Jesus died so that I don't have to. That's not how it works. He says, if you're going to follow me, you have to take up your cross. I'm picking up mine. You got to pick up yours too. And you follow me this way to where I died. We have to lay down our lives. That's what Jesus is calling us to do. Lay down this old life. That's what, that's what ultimately those people did not want to do. They didn't want to give up their old way of thinking. They didn't want to give up their old way of living. They're like, we like being in this level of understanding what we know about Moses and we don't want to do what you're saying, and you're trying to tell us that you're greater than Moses. 
but we think that Moses is greater than you, is what was happening there. And they, did, they didn't want to lay their lives down. And he's like, all right, whoever will actually hold to what I'm saying is my disciple. And if I'm saying we're laying our lives down, I'm going to give up my old way of operating, my old way of thinking, my old habits, my old desires. I'm actually going to lay them down. I'm not going to spend my whole life saying that they have me in captivity, but I'm actually going to continually come and give them to God. That's following Jesus. Jesus said that he would, that they would really be his disciples. If they held to his teachings, they would know the truth and the truth would set them free. They said, we're the offspring of Abraham and have never been enslaved to anyone. How is it that you say we'll become free? We've never been slaves. Jesus answered them, truly I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. It's consistent throughout human history that we don't really understand our condition and God does. And so this gift that God was bringing, we're even in this Christmas season where we're celebrating the gift of God, him sending his son, this gift was about this right here, that whoever sins, whoever practices sin is enslaved to sin. That's all of us outside of relationship with Jesus. But he's saying that who the sun sets free is free for real. Like you'll know the truth, the truth will set you free. You hold to my teachings, you will live a life of freedom. And so tonight, uh, you may see that there are like some cups and some elements under your seat. And we're going to take some time to, to, to process this. We're going to take what's called communion because of this right here. He's saying, if you hold to my truth, you're really my disciples. It means you have to understand my truth. You have to commit yourself to my truth. And it, all of this really comes down to this right here. They're asking all these questions to him, trying to figure out like, all right, you know, what about this theological thing and that theological thing? And you're saying this about Moses and we say this about Moses. And he's like, look, what it really comes down to is that you're looking for temporary provision. You're looking for the bread that I fed you yesterday and you don't need to be spending your life Focusing on temporary things, you need to spend your life focusing on eternal things. And the only way that you can do that is to get out of this cycle of sin that has you blind to the things of God and to the things of eternity. And he's saying, if you will just hold to what I'm saying, to this simple truth that I am the gift, that I set you free, that I'm the bread of life, that I am everything that you need, I am enough. If you'll just hold to that, you will be free. That's what you're looking for. You look, you're looking for it in the next job opportunity because you want to you be financially free. You feel like more money is going to make you free. You want to uh, get married so that you, you can stop lusting. That's not how it works. And you feel like, <laughs> I'm going to get married so that I can be free from this cycle of sin. No, the cycle of sin will carry you into every situation that you are in without Jesus because it's Jesus who sets you free. And a lot of us are looking for the next thing to grab, the next thing to attain. We're looking for bread in the wrong place. When Jesus is saying, no, I, I'm, I'm the bread. 
Yeah, no, no, I know, I know what you want to see your bank account look like, and, and I know that you want to travel, you know, I know that you want to, you know, have this and have that. I know that you want to look better. I know that you want to do all these things. But I, but I am the bread. And like, oh, no, how is this? How is Jesus really? He thinks that he's enough. And he's like, no, I, I really am. And some of you guys are wrestling with this right now as I'm saying it because things are coming up in your mind that you're like, uh, this is what I've been going to. This is what I've been challenged with. This is what I've been struggling with. And Jesus is saying, no, I really, I really am enough. And Jesus knew this for certain. He came with a purpose and a plan and lived that out to completion. And uh, we, we're, we're going to dive down to Luke 22 as we close to look at how this kind of all comes to a head. Luke 22:17 it says, he took a cup and when he had given thanks, he said, take this and divide it among yourselves. For I tell you that from now on, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took the bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to them. Does that sound familiar? Jesus taking bread, giving thanks, breaking it, and distributing it to the people around him is the same thing that happened in John 6. And now he's giving the meaning of it. They didn't understand what he was trying to say at that time. And a lot of his disciples deserted him. Because they're like, this guy's telling us that we have to eat his flesh and drink his blood. So we're going to get out of here. And Jesus says to the 12, he's like, do you guys want to go too? And Simon's like, we don't get it either, but we're not going anywhere. And man, I wonder how many of us in here, if we could grasp this concept that maybe we don't understand it yet, but we're going to stick around long enough to find out what Jesus is talking about. Maybe we don't understand yet how he could fully satisfy us and how, how giving up something that he says we should give up will actually bring us fulfillment. Maybe we can't understand that right now, but we're going to stick around and follow him long enough to see what he's talking about. Maybe that's you. Maybe you're on the fringe. You're like, I don't know if this is for me. Maybe you're watching online. You didn't even want to come tonight because you're on the fringe saying, I don't know if I could keep doing this. These teachings are difficult. His standard is high. I don't know if I could keep doing this. I don't know if I could keep holding on. And I wanna encourage you that, oh, it'll make sense. God is gonna come through. He's, doing, he's writing a story much bigger than you could even imagine. They had no idea what Jesus was really trying to explain. They had no idea. This guy who's doing miracles, they were familiar with prophets. They were not familiar with somebody coming to earth to die for their sins and then grant them eternal life. Foreign concept. And all the way back in chapter six of the book of John, he's you know doing this miracle, having this discourse with them. They have no idea what's happening. He's trying to explain it. And it was all about this right here. His disciples stuck around long enough. They're with him at the last supper that he ever ate. He's like, this is the last time I'm gonna drink this cup. This is the last time I'm gonna eat before I do what I came to do. And you're gonna understand that what I've been talking about with this bread and with, this, with all this me being the bread, you're gonna understand what I've been trying to say. And it's gonna save your life. He said, take this and divide it among yourselves. 
I tell you that from now on, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to them saying, this is my body, which is given for you. I wasn't just telling you to eat my flesh (laughs) for no reason. I'm about to make a sacrifice for you. This is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And likewise, the cup after they had eaten, saying this cup that is poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood. So I want us to stand up to our feet with the communion elements in our hand. And I want us to take a moment to really inspect, man, what we're doing here. This is such a a privilege and an honor to be able to do this. I don't even have one up here. Could you toss me one? Thank you so much, Evan. I want us to take a moment to think about this. This is, man, Jesus Christ, Son of God. Says, I'm about to establish a new agreement with all of humanity. I'm about to do what's been prophesied about for thousands of years. I'm about to do what nobody else wants to do. I'm about to go to this cross and pay a price that I don't deserve to pay. But I love you that much. And I want you to do this frequently to remember what I did for you so that you can hold on to the things that I've taught you when it gets difficult, when it gets hard, when life challenges you, when the pressures of life come crashing in, when you get sad, when you're depressed, when you're feeling anxious, when you're feeling rejected, when you feel like he's not coming through, when you feel like you have no idea what's happening, when you don't know why he's telling you to do what he's telling you to do, when you don't know why he's, why he's teaching you these things that are so difficult to do, when everybody else is walking away, I want you to remember what I've done for you and how I'm fulfilling something I talked about a long time ago, and it's gonna change the rest of your life for eternity. And so I want us to understand, because this is something important that we do together as the body of Christ, but this is a very sacred thing. This is a very special thing that's taking place. And so if you are not a follower of Christ, I wanna invite you to participate in this, but this is for people who are following Christ. And so if you're not, if you're not there yet, this may not be what you wanna do at the moment. Because the Bible says that there are consequences for that. But for all of us, who are a part of his family, who have received him, or anybody who wants to receive him in this moment. This is a gift that we're able to do. This is something special. It's not just some crackers and some juice. This is something special. This is something that's been taking place for 2000 years, initiated by the son of God himself who gave his life for the sins of the world. God in the flesh, the one who's currently reigning on the throne with all power, all dominion, has the name above every name, has authority on all earth and in all of heaven, the one whose eyes are like fire, the one who's reigning with all power and all authority, the one who's worthy of all of our praise, of all of our worship, of all of the glory, of everything that we have, the one who gave himself for us and we have the opportunity to give ourselves to him the one who knows you in and out, who knows your thoughts, who knows your feelings, who knows your situation, who knows everything that you've been through. He knows everything that you've been thinking. He knows everything that you've done and he's still saying, come to me. This is for you. And so if you're wanting to give yourself to Jesus before we take this sacred moment, 
he says that this, this cup is, is my blood. It's establishing a new covenant. It's, it's establishing the forgiveness of sins. And so if you've gone your own way, the Bible tells us that we're, we've all gone astray. We've all sinned. We've all fallen short. That if you don't think you have, then you're just deceived. But if you're acknowledging that today and you're saying, I want to give myself to Jesus. I want this life that he's offering me. I want to hold to his truth and really be his disciple. I want to celebrate with him in all of eternity. I want my life to matter in the grand scheme of things. I want to invite you to pray this prayer. I want to lead you in this prayer and to, for you to understand that this is just the beginning. This is just a step. It's not just a prayer that you pray and then go about your own life. This is, this is something that you receive and that you give your whole self to. He says, if you are really my disciples, you'll hold to my teachings. And so if you're saying, hey, I wanna do that, I wanna invite you to pray this prayer. And all the believers around the room, if you're watching with somebody, I want all of us to pray this prayer. Say, Jesus, I believe that you are the son of God, that you came to earth for me, that you lived a perfect life for me, that you died a bloody, gruesome criminal's death to pay for my sins, and that you rose from the grave with the keys of death in your hands. And you're offering me forgiveness and new life. I give myself to you. I turn away from my old life, from my way of thinking, from my way of doing things. And I give myself to you. Everything that I have is yours. You've saved my soul. And now you are the leader and Lord of my life. I love you. And I thank you in Jesus' name, amen. And now we have this great, beautiful opportunity to take communion together. It says that he first took the bread and he broke it. So I want you to take out that bread. I want you to break it in your hand. And this is his body that was broken for us. He was whipped, he was beaten, he was hung on a cross. He was broken and bruised for our sins. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him, Isaiah 53 says. And so we have peace, we have healing. It says that by his stripes, we are healed. The stripes that were on his back, we are healed because of that. And so we appreciate that and we remember that and we partake of the bread of life that was sent down from heaven. You can take the bread. After they had eaten, he took the cup and he said, this cup, this cup is my blood that's gonna establish a new covenant with the forgiveness of sins. And so Jesus, we thank you for what you've done for us. Lord, we thank you for the innocent blood that was shed. We've been looking in the Old Testament with sacrificial system and, and you said no one can come before you empty handed. And God, we have the blood of Jesus to come before you. 
Lord, we don't have to come with the blood of a ram or a goat that could never really pay for our sins, but Lord, we have eternal communion with you because you have sent your son, Jesus Christ, to die for us. And Jesus Christ himself said that this blood is for us and is establishing a new covenant and a new, a new agreement so that we can really have relationship with you. And we take this moment to remember it and to appreciate it. In Jesus' name, you can take the cup. Worship team's about to come out and we're doing things a little bit differently tonight. I know that we've been, uh, we've been dismissing by sections uh, with, with distancing and all that, but we're, we're shifting to where it's an open dismissal. And so uh, we're about to go into a time of worship and we're gonna move with how God moves. And whenever you need to go, you're welcome to go. I invite you to stay uh, because we're gonna take some time to really worship God for who he is. Amen. All right, so I just wanna pray for us real quick before we go into this time. Father, we thank you so much that we get to worship you. Lord, we give you honor and we give you glory. Lord, we thank you that you are the way maker. You made a way, God. You made a way for us to have relationship with you. You made a way for us to be healed. You made a way for us to be forgiven of our sins. You made a way for us to have a new life. You made a way for us to break off the chains that have been keeping us in bondage. You made a way, God. So Jesus, we thank you that you are the way, that you are the truth, that you are the life, Lord, and we worship you with everything that we have. We give our hearts to you. We give our worship to you. We give our hands to you. We give our hearts and our voices to you, God. We sing to you. We thank you that you inhabit the praises of your people and that you receive our worship, that you're pleased, Lord. We offer ourselves as a living sacrifice. Have your way in this time. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, thank you for listening. We're so glad to have you as a part of our community. If you want to get connected any further, please visit fusionatl.org. You can get plugged into a small group there, and you can also send in a prayer request so that we can pray for you. Once again, thanks for listening, and thanks for being a part of Fusion ATL.